Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. The more Fed officials today are saying essentially they're not in a rush to cut interest rates next year. We heard from the head of the Atlanta Fed, Rafael Bostic. He was stressing patience as officials assess their next policy move. In terms of uh, getting glimpses of where the future is likely to go, there are really three things I'm looking at, and they really deal with um, uh, the two sides of our mandate. So inflation is too high. We got to get it down to to 2%. I've been paying a lot of of attention to what's happening in the three month, what's happening in the six month, because those are the things that are going to ultimately be the the true contributors to overall inflation. And um, what you see with those is that by and large, they have been lower than where our headline numbers have been. He is Rafael Bostic, the head of the Atlanta Fed. He went on to say he is expecting the Fed will cut rates twice twice in 2024, not three times, and that will occur sometime in the second half of the year. We also heard today from the head of the Richmond Fed, Tom Barkin. He was saying that he's looking for, quote, consistency and breadth in inflation data over the next several months. And Mr. Barkin went on to say he is of the view that the Fed would cut rates next year if, here's the caveat, recent progress on inflation continues. Well, deal-making here in the U.S. has been somewhat tepid this year, and it will likely eat into those holiday bonuses at the big Wall Street firms. Here's Bloomberg's Ann Cates. The bonus pool at J.P. Morgan Chase will be close to flat compared to 2022. At Citigroup, in the midst of its biggest restructuring in decades, the pool will likely be little changed, if not down slightly. But Goldman Sachs and Bank of America are looking to sweeten payouts by at least a few percentage points for many of their traders this year. Wall Street's year-end rewards programs are volatile as the industry cycles through booms and busts. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Radio. Staying with the banks, we heard today from the head of Bank of America, Brian Moynihan, and he was saying B of A is continuing to invest in its markets division. We increased the size of the, of the business three or four years ago, and that, that's borne fruit. And they are keep gaining market share, and they're doing a great job. As long as they can keep deploying, we'll keep pushing capital because it's a great business and great format, and we're gaining market share, honestly, across the world. And it's a global business, so it can access a much deeper client base. The team's done a great job, so they'll keep getting more commitments consistent with them being able to get the returns on them. Brian Moynihan there, the head of Bank of America, he went on to comment on the health of the American consumer. Moynihan saying consumers are in good shape with higher savings than before the pandemic. And he said that consumers are still spending between four to five percent more this year than they did last. Apple, meantime, racing to tweak its software on those Apple watches ahead of uh, a ban here in the U.S. Engineers at Apple are trying to make some changes to algorithms, allowing the device to measure a user's blood oxygen level. Now, these sensors use a technology from the tech firm Massimo, and that company says that Apple is infringing on its patents. Now, the CEO of Massimo, Joe Chiani, told us he's willing to settle with Apple. For betterment of people and our mutual shareholders, I put out the olive branch on one of these news programs that I would work with them to improve their product or they can even put these chips behind their product. 
but they haven't called. Uh, it takes two to tango. Joe Kiani there. He is the CEO of Massimo. Meantime, the White House is saying it is tracking the ban imposed by the U.S. International Trade Commission on nearly all Apple Watch sales. This will take effect on December 25th. Now, retailers like Walmart and Best Buy can continue to sell the devices after that date. However, Apple has told its staff it can't let people know that fact. FedEx reported quarterly profit after the bell. The numbers were a little below estimates. FedEx went on to lower its sales forecast for the fiscal year ending May 31st. The company saying that cost cuts weren't enough to make up for volume declines in both air freight and its trucking units as well. This comes as consumers return to stores and contend with not only higher inflation but higher interest rates. Here's Bloomberg's Lee Klaskow. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, uh, parcel carriers like FedEx or UPS or uh, DHL, they're still going through a process of normal normalization. And that normalization is on the demand side. We're not there yet. Um, destocking in the U.S. seems to have uh, run its course, which is a, which is a net positive. That is a Bloomberg's Lee Klaskow. By the way, uh, shares in FedEx in late trading down by more than 9% at the moment. And uh, from the Bloomberg terminal, former President Trump has been disqualified from the 2024 ballot in Colorado. That according to a court decision in the state. And we'll have more coming up here on Daybreak Asia. In the meantime, let's get you caught up on Global News next. U.S. Congress has given up on a deal to get funding for Ukraine at least this year. Ed Baxter has more from the Bloomberg Newsroom. Eddie? Yeah, you're right, Doug. They haven't given up. They've just, this year, they've they've kicked the can again down the road. The Senate has been trying to work on breaking the logjam to get more than $60 billion to Ukraine by year's end. But Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has finally admitted now that uh, more time is needed. The bottom line, both Democrats and Republicans understand that there's more work to do to pass legislation protecting America's security and the security of the Western world. So the sticking point is still the issue of the U.S. southern border, as he alludes, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. No question this package is extremely important. The most complicated part of it, actually, is the border. Uh, But Schumer uh, did say that Vladimir Putin is uh, already gloating. Meanwhile, hearing all the talk over the last several days about how much trouble Ukraine's war effort may be, Admiral President Vladimir Zelensky today says his military isn't at risk of losing the war and will continue to work with the United States. He says, we are working very hard on this, and I'm certain the United States of America will not betray us, and that on which we agreed in the United States will be fulfilled completely. So that part of the story. Now, the U.S. is now saying that it's considering possible military strikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen. Sources say planning is underway for actions intending to cripple the Houthis' ability to target commercial ships by hitting at the source. Now, this uh, may be at least a partial uh, recognition that the new alliance announced yesterday may not be enough to totally stop it, especially with the Houthis saying that they will continue the attacks. Defense Secretary here, Lloyd Austin. These reckless Houthi attacks are a serious international problem, and they demand a firm international response. And the White House is expanding today on the so-called Operation Prosperity Guardian Agreement that is meant to protect commerce of the Red Sea. NSC spokesman John Kirby saying the U.S. is reaching out across the globe for helping stopping those Houthi attacks. I think where China could be helpful, quite frankly, um, is more with the influence that we know they have in Tehran. 
the conversations that they can have with the supreme leader. And speaking of China, the U.S. is saying that China has stopped dangerous military acts in the air and sea in the weeks since Presidents Xi and Biden met. Uh, the air and sea challenges and close calls have ceased, it says. China's military, meanwhile, says it is stepping up military readiness as it's criticized a recent U.S. arms sale to Taiwan. The uh, PLA says it is committed to firmly maintaining peace and stability. Civil rights organizations have filed suit today challenging the new Texas law that would allow police to arrest migrants who cross the border illegally and to permit local judges to order them to leave the country. Uh, it says the uh, bill overrides bedrock constitutional principles. And public funeral services for Sandra Day O'Connor today, the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court, Chief Justice John Roberts with glowing praise. I have spoken with many women judges and lawyers who were young adults when Justice O'Connor became the first. They say the same thing. Younger people today cannot understand what it was like before Justice O'Connor in what now seems a distant past. She calls her strong and influential and iconic jurist. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to Steve Matthews, Bloomberg's economics reporter, helping us understand the latest Fed speak. Steve, always a pleasure. Are we getting conflicting messages from the Fed? Uh, I guess a little bit uh, in that it, it seemed like uh, uh, Powell last week, uh, Chair Powell, was very much, you know, kind of hinting at rate cuts and said nothing really about the timing. And the FOMC was predicting in the dot plot that there would be three cuts uh, in 2024. And, you know, in the last couple of days, we've had just uh, a, a huge group of Fed presidents and governors come out and say, Hey, w wait a minute. We're, you know, we're not promising anything. You know, it's still possible we could go higher. Uh, you know, there's nothing in the near term. Uh, so it, there is a sense that, uh, uh, maybe markets went too far in the view of the Fed and they're, they're trying to correct, uh, the impression that, you know, that there could be rate cuts as soon as March. You know, a couple of weeks back, uh, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers was saying when the Fed decides to pivot, that's going to be a seismic moment. And I think that's occurred. Now, we've heard a fair amount of criticism, too, to be fair. Today, Mohamed El-Aryan, who is, of course, a Bloomberg opinion columnist, was saying the Fed's communication is confusing people. And he went on to say it's really fueling a moral hazard. Is there a problem developing that, that is of a serious nature, do you think, Steve? You know, in some ways, this is just the way the Fed is. I mean, the, the Fed, by definition, is the, the Federal Open Market Committee is, is 19 people. I mean, there's seven governors or 12 presidents, and they're all speaking, not all the time, but many of them seem like they're speaking, you know, repeatedly during the week. I mean, in some, some days there are half a dozen or more speaking, and you're gonna get a cacophony 
of noise and, you know, people with different opinions and different spins on where things are. And so, you know, to a certain extent, the markets have to decide who is important, who do you want to listen to, you know, how do you put it all together and not kind of overreact to every single uh, every single speech. So today, the head of the Atlanta Fed, Rafael Bastic, was saying that uh, he doesn't really see an urgency to cut rates next year. And I think he's only looking at two, not three. Would you put Bostic in the more hawkish camp? (laughs) It's funny because all last year, you know, we referred to Bostic as a leading dove, and now he's he's uh, seen as is a little bit leaning hawkishly. And you know, in in a way, he really hasn't changed his view at all. A year ago, he was saying we need to get rates up to about five percent and then stop and then hold it there for a long time because fi- that would be enough to be restrictive and enough to kind of uh, depress economic activity and, and keep inflation lower uh, over time. And that's where he still is. I mean, they got up, they got rates to 5% and, and a little bit higher. And he's been saying, you know, we need to hold it there for a long time. But for a while, that put him on the dovish side of the FOMC. Now he's a hawk, although his, his basic view hasn't really changed much at all. You know, the Fed has said repeatedly uh, that it is data dependent. Now, this week, we're going to get some very key numbers. We have a print, I think, on durable goods orders along with the final estimate on third quarter growth and perhaps more importantly the personal consumption expenditures data and we know that that's the fed's preferred measure of inflation do you have a sense of of what um to expect here Uh, the pce inflation data is going to be really key and the wall street estimates are that it's going to be really good news that uh, uh as opposed to the cpi which was a little bit disappointing uh, that the, the uh, PCE uh, data includes some of the the uh, producer price index data as well, and, and in combining that, that you're going to get a really low number. And if that turns out to be the case, that is going to lead you know Wall Street, uh, understandably uh, so, to believe that uh, you know rate cuts may be in the offing uh, as early as March. So you look at today's data, new home construction in the month of November surging by nearly 15%. And we also had a conversation with uh, Brian Moynihan, the head of Bank of America, and he was saying the American consumer is in very good shape. So I think more and more this idea of, of soft landing is not just theoretical, it's it's almost coming into view, isn't it? A- absolutely. And in fact, you know, I think the the big picture is for most of a year, the Fed, including uh, Chair Powell, was saying, we need to see pain. We need to see pain in the economy because it's going to take higher unemployment to, to get things to cool off and to get inflation to come down. And therefore, you know, we're going to have some higher unemployment to uh, to cool things off. And now it looks like a lot of the inflation, most of the inflation was caused by supply disruptions associated with COVID and the following uh, follow up from all of that. Uh, so that now that that is correcting and you had the also the war in, in Ukraine and what that did to energy prices, now that that is all kind of correcting. Uh, it seems like there won't be the need for pain. And there's kind of become much more of a consensus on Wall Street and at the Fed 
that they can get the soft landing. And so the outlook uh, for 2024 is looking a lot better. It's going to be very interesting tomorrow. I think we get uh, tomorrow morning the conference board's reading on consumer confidence. And I guess you could pretty easily make the case that these numbers may be a little elevated. A couple of factors to consider here. Higher stocks, that's clearly the case. Lower mortgage rates and, and cooling inflation, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's every reason to believe that confidence is going to begin to recover and continue to recover. It's funny, Danny Blanchflower uh, a couple years ago was predicting a recession because we're having just awful confidence data. And the data has stayed pretty much awful for most of this past year and a half. (laughs) And now things are getting better and maybe you'll start to see a little bit better confidence data. Steve, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Steve Matthews, a Bloomberg economics reporter joining us from our studios in Atlanta. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.